1: Welcome to Hard Currency, the weekly Financial Times podcast on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and the week has been dominated by the Federal Reserve, which, as predicted, said it would begin trimming its balance sheet and stuck to its interest rate predictions. So what did the market make of it? Well, the dollar rose about 1%. That was the reaction. The question is, is that a big deal? Or is it frankly, a lot of fuss over not much. Our guest this week is Peter Rosenstreich, foreign strategist at the online bank, Swiss quote. Peter, what did you make of the Fed first and the dollar reaction second?
2: We thought that pretty much it went lock and step. We had expected a slightly more hawkish Yellen. So we sort of were on the right side, but probably expected a little more hawkishness out of her. In terms of the dollar reaction, I think it's still very much Up in the air in terms of whether this is going to be a trigger for. Further uh, dollar appreciation, or is just a knee-jerk reaction to comments. And if you look at sort of the emerging market currencies, uh, yes, the dollar did very well against low-yielders in the G10, but against the EM, things like the ruble, you know, the, the the gains were not as stark. So I think you know the fact that we didn't see a sort of rotation out of high-beta currencies basically tell us that it's not going to be an end of the carry trade and and, and yield seeking, and more sort of a short short-term
1: blip. Which, in some respects, the lack of a major reaction in the market is surprising considering what she's effectively saying about inflation. Do you remember when, you know, the Fed couldn't move because of the worries about inflation as other central banks showed? And yet here she is saying, do you know what? The data isn't so important anymore. That... Uh, at face value, is yeah. actually quite significant, isn't it?
2: I think so. I think you know this is goes to what we believe is sort of the root of the sort of uh, desire of the of the Fed is is not so much their concern about, uh, or the current concern about inflation, but also getting off the sort of extreme emergency type of uh, policy. Yes, they've been hiking for almost two years now. They're slowly moving off the floor. They are now ready to reduce their balance sheet. But what that's telling us is that they're sort of preparing a more normalized state just in case there's something else, another type of shock in the market. And I think that's more important to her right now than and just trying to battle inflation. I would say that, you know, she needs justification for what she's doing. So, you know, the fact that inflation's trajectory has not, uh, you know, sort of uh, gone in one direction, sort of pushing inflation slightly to the side in the short term um, helps her in her case for uh, tighter monetary policy. But at the same time, you know, I think she sees the situation as half Full where she has a very strong labor market, payrolls are significantly higher, job openings are at all time high, unemployment's at a low you know it 's only a matter of time before a the market that has rejected traditional economic theories, things like the the phillips curve all of a sudden snap back into effect sure. and we start seeing a ratcheting
1: up of inflation. Okay. What are people in the in the market really interested in? I mean, would you say that that this week really has been a, an obsessive feel about the Fed or, or is it actually other central banks that the markets are really more focused on? I mean, I
2: think, you know, from from a, a, a 10,000 feet uh, view the vantage point. You know, we have to look at sort of the the primary driver for asset appreciation over the last ten years, and it's hard not to look at a chart between the expansion of central bank balance sheets and say the MSCI yeah. World Index, and and see them moving lock and step. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, if if we can sort of. Loosely say that monet- that that loose quantitative easing has helped asset prices significantly. We do also logically assume that the the withdrawal of that stimulus mm-hmm. will have a counter effect. Uh, so the question is, you know, how quickly uh, will that happen, and, and when will the market realize that now that you know with a a Fed heading toward normalization, with an ECB in that direction, yes. with the BOE, the BOC, the the RICS Bank, the PBOC. Uh, all shifting gears, with the lone exception being the BOJ. Oh, well, I was going to say they're,
1: um, they're resolutely still in all in for monetary easing, aren't they?
2: Agreed. How is that going to, and when will that, you know, have the reverse effect on on pricing? Mm. And
1: and uh, the moment it's, it feels like everybody's being as careful as possible, with the possible exception of the Canadians who are really quite bullish about their interest rate drive. But everybody's really trying to get the market just comfortable about this yeah. idea that the easing is coming off. Uh, are central banks good at uh, being good at this, are the policymakers working? Is the rhetoric, I mean, it's all about rhetoric at the moment. Right. Isn't it? Uh, uh, is that is that rhetoric tap really I still think on the, and working?
2: The communication story, the central banks had had the last 10 years to hone their craft and they have become quite good. And I think we were uh, a year ago or so we had this conversation about the S and B uh, and their communication strategy, yeah. shifting away from uh, full transparent to you know a slightly closed door policymaking strategy. So um, and just recently the S and B has also shifted from significantly overvalued to overvalued in their language, right. and it didn't cause a, a, a significant yeah. uh, move in the Swiss franc. So I think they've honed their craft. They've learned who. Their audiences, and they, they have become quite good at communicating and, and balancing what they need to do.
1: Okay, so in effect, you're you're painting a picture about the dollar isn't really going to move because a lot of the focus is on other central banks. And but if the dollar is going to move, it's presumably going to be outside of Fed specific issues. It's the tax reform yeah. issue. Pre- particularly is that is that do you think the the main so, g- the main driver of it if it's going to happen the, I mean, the dollar I, rally right i mean growth is already very strong
2: employment, uh, labor markets is, mm-hmm. is significantly strong. Exports are, are doing very well. I'm not sure that a uh, tax reform or some other sort of stimulus coming down the pipe, whether it's two two hundred billion dollars in, in hurricane relief, is going to make a huge, you know, uh, uh, impulse into uh, the economy. It needs to be that inflation number. So I would look more across this the the ocean to to the ECB and yeah. what other central banks are doing because they have more room to catch up Um, remember the the Fed has been uh, you know tapering for for almost two years now they've been raising rates Uh, so they're already well ahead in the game it's the it's more the ECB and the BOJ that are well behind the curve and have the most room to catch up
1: so if we're going to see momentum for the rest of the year or look out for that ECB meeting in October after all that's that's where the big moves have come in recent months isn't
2: it I think the the yeah the onus is on the ECB um And it's, it's their sort of game to play. Uh, and they need to be very careful um, that you know, expectations for uh, tighter policy in Europe doesn't trigger a significant move in the euro dollar. Um, they, they're going to need to balance their language very carefully when they move forward. And we should hear in the next few days a rash of um, central bank speakers. And I think the corporate line will be Optimistic about uh, the outlook for Europe, but you know, uh, concerned about you know political issues as well as the direction for inflation, talking down
1: the euro. Just finally, Peter, um, talking about the, the talking down the euro and um, the and say the Swiss and and the Swiss franc uh, and others, even the Canadians and the Canadian dollar. Um, to what extent are they effectively? Needing to say that we're, they're worried about currency uh, appreciation without actually meaning it, because if they didn't say any yeah. anything, it might actually create greater appreciation.
2: Well, you know, this is, it goes back to what you were saying in terms of um, Yellen saying that inflation wasn't uh, the primary, you know, motivator for for or, or hinting that inflation wasn't the prime, and even saying that the fact that inflation wasn't higher was quote unquote a mystery. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a very uh, interesting and very human uh, confession for a central banker to, to, to give us. So in terms of how much verbal intervention specifically on a currency, a central banker should be allowed or, or might uh, put forward, I think that sort of the gloves are off. I think the rules of communication are now open for a draggy whatever it takes, uh, if 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 things get too uh, out of control in the euro, if, if if the strength of the euro on a trade-weighted uh, basis starts uh, potentially derailing growth in, in uh, Europe, I don't think that Draghi will have a, a second thought about
1: coming out swinging and, and going directly at the strength of the oh, euro. I look forward to watching that. My thanks to Pisa Rosenstreich at SwissQuote. Uh, next week, we'll be digesting um, how European politics and Economics might be reshaped following Angela Merkel's expected coronation this weekend as Chancellor for the fourth time in the German election. So join us again next week for hard currency. Until then, it's goodbye.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.